Before we get started, I am hosting a live show at the UCB Theater Sunset uh, this Friday, April 1st at 10.30. It's an April Fool's Day show hosted by me as opposite Bob Dylan. That's the opposite of Bob Dylan. So if you're in the LA area, check it out. Go to ucbtheater.com to get tickets. It's only five bucks. Well, come on. Come on. Just do it. All right. Let's get started with the show. It's that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. With Craig Rowe. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment. We watch any TV show that they choose. We talk, we watch it, we talk about it, we talk about a bunch of other crap. Yep. Today, my guest is Will Hines. You might know him from UCB Theater. You might know him from his podcast. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. That's me, Will Hines. Welcome, Will. Hey, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. This isn't, you're a repeat guest. Yes, that's right. You've been on this podcast before. This is, this is old hat for me. I'm so comfy. You're basically hosting. You are. You actually <laughs> literally could not be more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I am. Like, I'm really like stretched out on your couch. You've, you're li- basically lying down, <laughs> <laughs> which is optimal. Actually, that's pretty much optimal for podcasting. I think that. Yeah, like, do I stress it? Why stress out? Why stress? And you did take your shoes off. I said you didn't have to. But I know, but I did it anyway. Wow, that's. I really... wanted to like really feel my toes on Wingle. Oh man, I love the books you have. Oh, thank you. Complete peanuts. I bet you a lot of these are Merrills. Oh, you have the Saturday night, the old Saturday night yeah, the, history, uh, the original one from Doug Hill and whoever. It's all about how the 80s were crazy, like really bad. Yeah, but that That's, one's great. No, it's great. I love the it. The oral history is much more commonly, uh, which is also great, but that one, the one you have is more interesting, I think. Yeah, I forget. Doug Hill, is that Doug it? Hill and then some Jeff like Weingrad or something? Some, something like that. Uh, a great one. A great book. And uh, yeah, we got, a, we got a bookshelf. Yeah, you got bookshelf. That's yeah. cool. Name one more thing you like, so I feel good. <laughs> so yeah, we watched TV. Yeah, I um, was on before and I did a... You did Kolchak the Night Stalker. The super popular television but show I, that everyone talks about all I the time. I loved that one. Yeah. That was really great. <laughs> it sort of decided, I think... That it was a precursor to the X Files, or like I th- no, yes, yeah. I, I mean that sounds crazy because no one's heard of the show, but I, I, it is super obviously looks that way, and right. I think he Chris Chris Carter has admitted that right, and wasn't one of the writer was who, some writer oh I think David Chase had who created Sopranos yeah. was a writer on Kolchak Night Stalker yes. or, so, or somebody yeah. with some amazing pedigree. I think yes, it was somebody like it was somebody like that big. Yeah. Um it was a good show. Yeah. I mean it was a low budget we talked about it. It was a low budget 70s show that dates badly. Yeah. But a reporter would find supernatural creatures and nobody believed him. It was very X-Files. It was great. Check it out. Uh, check out our podcast. And now we have a much more accessible one. So, well, in a, yeah, which is crazy that, that this is more accessible. Because <laughs> why don't you say what TV show? So we're going to watch Twin Peaks. Right. Season one, episode three, which is the second craziest episode in the whole series. All right. So why don't you, um, did you watch Twin Peaks while when no, it was dude, on? TV? No, dude. Here's the thing. I, it, I was in college when it came out. I was like, it was 1990 and I was a sophomore in college. It was a phenomenon. Like everybody watched Twin Peaks, right. which is weird because it's a very creepy, surreal show that doesn't seem like a mainstream audience would, would dig it, but everybody dug it or a huge number of people dug it. Right. So everybody my age was like, oh, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks. And I stubbornly like refused to watch it in the way that sometimes when things get overly raved about, yes, yeah. you get sick of it and you don't want to deal. There's blowback. You're just like, right. it can't be. I don't, I don't even want to swim against the stream. Yeah. Just 
reflexively contrarian. And then for years after, when people get to know me and find out stuff that I like, be like, oh, you know, you'd really like Twin Peaks. I'd be like, shut up. I'm not, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Or And I just wouldn't get around to it. And then a couple of years ago, when it when one of the times when it came on Netflix, um, I just decided to give it a shot. And within like five minutes of watching the pilot, I was like, "This is awesome!" <laughs> like it took so little yeah. for me to be won over, and then I and then I devoured both seasons of it, and I love it. I so my, I'm only recently only recently saw like maybe three years ago. That's the same with me. When it first came on Netflix, I watched it, but I don't think. And people might not like this. <laughs> I don't think I finished this. We finished the second season. I think it gets it, really it just, bad. It got really not good, and it's really bad. Like, in the, yeah. I'm I'm like, oh, it, I don't care. I like a show enough, uh, yeah. to keep going. But this one, it was just like it's terrible. Did, was it that it doesn't that, some some shows get like very flat and repetitive, right? But they're not bad. They're just sort of like, I mean, you could even The Sopranos is one of the best series ever. Yes, there are some episodes that just feel like. You know, you don't have to watch this one, yeah, although it's but, great. But, the but it's never are, bad. Yeah, but the acting is always great. The Twin Peaks are... gets bad. Like a th- like a good third of the second season is just abysmal. And the remind, tone is different. Did he leave? Did now? Da- this is no. By David Lynch. This is the thing. David Lynch was involved with those. Yeah, so what everybody assumes is that David Lynch, David Lynch, the creator, the director, the movie visionary, he and this guy Mark. Oh God, Frost. Or Forest? Sure. Fuck. Well, we'll see when... Okay, yeah, there's two people who made Twin Peaks, basically. A Hill Street Blues guy and David Lynch. And mm-hmm. they're both majorly involved, and and uh, and it's a great series. And so when it got bad, everyone was like, oh, David Lynch must have gotten busy making a movie or something right. and without his like magical weirdness. No, he was heavily involved in the bad episodes. It's basically whenever he tries to be funny, it's bad. I just remember, could I be wrong? Maybe this was in the bad episodes, the woman who's obsessed with the blinds, like that. Yes, no, that is absolutely like in she the basically episodes. becomes like this woman becomes basically like a high school student. Like, she loses her mind and thinks she's still in high school. She loses her memory right. and thinks she's still in high school. She becomes obsessed with not just the blinds, but lubricating the blinds. Right. So that they don't squeak when you open them. Yeah. And she gains super strength. Right, yes. Like, for real super strength. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a show where no one has superpowers. Right. I mean, there are, like, that's, there's so many weird things that's saying that, like, there's a woman that just holds a log on the show. Like, they're playing yes, weird, but that like, one, mysterious things. Some things work, one, like, the log lady works. She's, like, surreal, and she's kind of, like, a psychic in a way, and she just, yes. she is sensitive to omens. And I, I guess because you, she's just an exaggerated version of people that you do kind of know yes. or you can imagine, but... Who's obsessed with blinds? Like, how do I relate to being a... But I think what it was is David Lynch saw Twin Peaks as his soap opera. I haven't read a lot about Which it. Which makes sense because they have a soap opera They have a the soap show, opera a within, within the, the show, show that is like this very campy, over-the-top soap opera that the characters watch. And that's really funny. Right. And I think that the second season of Twin Peaks, he's like, oh, let's just do that soap opera. We'll just make the things that we would have done on the interior soap opera part of the regular show. It's crazy. But it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So which episode you chose season one, episode three, which is titled It's like Zen and the Which is called Zen or the Skill to to Catch catch a a Killer. Killer. Um, Yeah. So oh this is where they go to one eye jacks. Is this um, I only remember I'm, I did this because there's the dream sequence at the end this is the the famous dream sequence yeah. with the dwarf we well that yeah I don't dwarf. know what the you're I supposed to say little person but what we said at the time was dwarf like okay. like when, when like when Mike Myers did the character on 
SNL. Which was Simon? Oh, no. Like they did a... Kyle MacLachlan hosted SNL and they did a big Twin oh, Peaks right. parody yes, and Mike yeah. Myers played that character. I think Conan O'Brien was in the background of that. I think uh, you're right, yeah. Um, so this is the probably the most notable episode yeah. beyond the the um, pilot, which is... It's also very famous. famous. Pilot's great, but it's two hours or it's an hour and a half. And um, I could have picked that one too, but this is shorter. And I do think the the whole episode is great, but the dream sequence is so weird and creepy and cool and also i think like was famous like it's so iconic. everybody would yeah yeah it, it's like a, the played again sam moment or whatever of twin peaks like it defined the tone of the series and I, it's make or break like that episode would have gone on and the american public would have been like um no thanks and instead the american public weirdly was like we want more of this yeah and this show is so popular that it's it's coming back isn't, isn't that Yes, right? Twin Peaks is coming back. On Showtime. Yeah, and Which David Lynch is making it. I don't know how I feel about that. These Those things generally don't go well. Like, the new Indiana Jones movie was bad. Oh. The Beatles anthology, the new songs in the late 90s were, like, forgettable. Free as a Bird is fine. It's like, okay. Yeah. I, I think that's probably what it'll be. I think Twin Peaks will be like, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a new X-Files, right? Yeah. And I've heard it's like, okay. Yeah, I only watched... I didn't even watch all of them. Yeah. I've heard I've heard some are good and some aren't so yeah, good. Some, I have... I mean, one of them was bad. Yeah. But what are you going to So do? I would imagine that's what's going to happen with the new Twin Peaks. I don't know. But David Lynch is a genius. Like, he might be able to pull it off. We'll see. I mean, he couldn't handle two full seasons. He this, couldn't. But. I know. <laughs> he just, if, he just, if he doesn't try to be funny and he just tries to be scary, I think he can't go wrong. Yeah, because his scary is funny. Like, and his... Yeah, like, his scary has a campiness or whatever to it that there's funniness kind of in it. But, like... Oh, I don't know. The, the last that the the other one I almost picked was the last episode of this series, which mm. you probably didn't watch. Because I have not seen it. I recommend just jump, just watch the last episode. Okay. The second season's terrible. Everything falls apart, and then for the last episode of Twin Peaks, the guy Mark, whose last name I can't remember, and I feel bad, Forrest or Frost. I think it's Frost. I think. Okay, Mark Frost wrote the last episode, and you know they wanted to go out with some dignity, right? And so David Lynch directed that episode. He doesn't direct all the episodes, although he directed this one that we're gonna watch. He directed the pilot and this one and then like three others. Mm-hmm. Um, he directed the last episode and he improvised this nightmare sequence in the middle of the episode. Like it wasn't in the script or it was in the script, but David Lynch made it like three times as long and replaced what was in the script with his own nightmare sequence, Whoa. which is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. But because the show was so bad by then, nobody saw it. Yeah. That, that's And a- it's, I I totally recommend the last episode of Twin Peaks. It's awesome. I'll watch it. And ha- and before we watch this episode, have you seen the prequel? The yes, Firewalk with the me. Firewalk with me. Yeah, I don't love it. Okay. Did you see it? No, I haven't seen it. There's a couple f- really scary parts, but David Lynch did that without Mark Frost, and it's too. It's not. He doesn't try to be funny. He's just scary. But it's it's actually so dark and sad that it's hard to watch. Mm. There's a lot about like child molestation in it. There's a lot about just like kidnapping and just real dark exploit not exploitive uh just dark sad stuff wow that doesn't sound and uh it's hard to watch and although twin peaks has a murder which is like of course upsetting right somehow the series has a lot of 50s biker aesthetic kind of cool stuff in it that somehow lightens the murder aspect of it and then yeah for somebody who's never seen this the basic concept of the show is that there's a young, a teenager, Laura Palmer, who is found, found dead. Found murdered, yeah. 
uh, and in the pilot, in the pilot, and the story is of trying to find out who the killer is. Yeah, who killed Laura Palmer in a small uh, in this small Pacific Northwest logging town. Logging town. So it's correct. like a bunch of lumberjacks and sort of like you know blue collar, salt to the earth, soft spoken folk. Mm-hmm. Um, and this like FBI agent played by Kyle MacLachlan is like this G Willikers gosh, almost like Jimmy Stewarty kind yes. of naive good guy he's just a real good guy who likes coffee loves just really appreciates good coffee loves the small townness of this place and talks to himself basically or he talks he talks to a dictaphone a dictaphone but he says what's sarah or something 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 like that diane yeah maybe it's diane or sarah somebody in the fbi office who's theoretically is going to be typing out his dictation but he basically like narrates it gives him a chance to do like soliloquies by himself right and he's also real hippy dippy zen crazy, which we find out in this episode in a cool way. In a cool way, which doesn't match his aesthetic at all. It doesn't match, no. But like it, it ma- yeah, it doesn't really. He is David Lynch to me. Like he is like, because David Lynch is like a, oh boy, this is going to be yeah. fun. You know, uh, if you ever see David Lynch talk, he talks like a, or Mel Brooks described David Lynch as Jimmy Stewart from Mars. <laughs> and because, uh, you know, Mel Brooks hired David Lynch to do The Elephant Man. Did you know yes, that? Yes, I know. Yeah. Gave, Dave, gave David Lynch his first big That's unbelievable. Jump. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So um, so let's, let's, let's watch check it. out season one, episode three, the, the zen, zen or and the, the skill, skill to, to catch a to killer. Kill a mer. Okay. <laughs> Damn good coffee. And hot would everyone please take a seat? Ah. By way of explaining what we're about to do, I am first going to tell you a little bit about the country called Tibet. An extremely spiritual country. For centuries, the leader of Tibet has been known as the Dalai Lama. In 1950, communist China invaded Tibet. And while leaving the Dalai Lama nominally in charge, they in fact seized control of the entire country. In 1959, after a Tibetan uprising against the Chinese, the Dalai Lama was forced to flee to India for his life and has lived in exile ever since. Following a dream I had three years ago, I have become deeply moved by the plight of the Tibetan people and filled with the desire to help them. I also awoke from the same dream, realizing that I had subconsciously gained knowledge of a deductive technique involving mind-body coordination operating hand-in-hand with the deepest level of intuition. All right. We just uh, watched season one, episode three of uh, Twin Peaks. That's right. Yes, we did. So it's so funny because this episode that you chose had <laughs> most of the stuff that I remember from like this is a very yeah this memorable. is like the most iconic episode yeah not only does it have the iconic dream dream scene, sequence but yeah. it has an amazing police investigation investigation scene which is which we can describe um, yeah but before it's so weird like this is so strange that this show was a hit because I yeah. can't it's. You don't, I don't get it. No, you can't. You, nobody gets the show. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. there's so many things happening. Like, yeah, yeah, like we said during the watching, like wa- watching the show now, it's like, and you know that it was a hit for the whole first season and part of the second season. Big hit. Yeah. Like, normal people were watching the show. Yeah. And I don't think anybody would have predicted that. Like, I think you would show this episode 
to any group of like people with good taste be like, is this show going to be a hit? I don't think anybody would ever go, yeah, this is going to work. Yeah, because I don't even know what the like the co- what water cooler conversations would be after watching this. You're just like, um, that little person dancing was very <laughs> interesting. You know, like what can you say to that? And there so many th- storyline threads. And as was borne out, they didn't have the mystery worked out well. Like there's not a good story that's being uncovered. Well, I think that that's the whole thing is in season two, I believe was, wait, when did they? They revealed the killer in season two. In season two. And then after that, it sort of lost everything because that was sort of the one thing sort of keeping the, the show yeah, the going. Yeah, go, the going theory is that the network pressured them to reveal the killer and they did and that ruined the show. Right. But I, I've watched it all and I don't feel like that ruins the show. Something else goes on. Because they didn't catch the killer when they revealed the killer. They still had to catch him. Right. And that could have been... that that uh, To me, that should have been able to sustain the show. Yeah, I, I, I it sort of boggles the mind. I don't know. Because the killer, I will guess I'll spoil it, is a demon. It's not it's, like a person. It's someone named Bob. It's Bob. And, it's and his, it's, but it inhabits... Who's an evil... In, yeah, who possesses people. Who possesses... Spoiler alert right here. It possesses Laura Palmer's, spoiler alert, dad, right? Yes. Isn't that what she, happened? He's the killer. Right. But he was not in possession of his own faculties when he committed the murder. Bob was in his Bob body. Bob took possession of him for years until he murdered Laura Palmer and then released him. And now he's crazy because he's... That's why Laura Palmer's dad is insane? Yes, because he's recently been let go because a demon left his body recently and he's got to live with the weird memory of having murdered his daughter. Makes no sense. It's great. Makes no sense. Um, but so let's go through a couple things that happen in this episode so we can sort okay, of, yeah. I don't know if we can fully summarize it. There's so many things happening, but some of the bigger ones we can. Yeah. So it's a murder mystery show. Right. So, so, so you're watching the show trying to figure out who killed Laura Palmer and also just lots of people are up to nefarious things. Yes. And we learn that Laura, Laura Palmer is a high school student and we keep on learning that like, she's supposed to be this like do gooder, you know, goody two shoes. Yeah. On the surface, she's like fresh-faced, all-American girl next door. But in this but, episode, one of the things that we learn is that two of her classmates, I want to say maybe Bobby is one of them, Yeah, the, that, that there's a drug deal going on. Yeah. And they sort of mentioned that Laura Palmer was part of the drug deal. She had uh, like half of the money. She was involved in a, she had $10,000 ready to put into some weird drug deal. Yeah. You keep finding out that all these people had like slept with Laura Palmer and that she had like done or sold drugs to people or right that. everybody has a connection to her yeah and it's usually pretty seedy yes although some people she was sort of like very nurturing and caring for also right. she helped a um a slow boy yeah <laughs> that's a learning disability that's... you you searched for a good way to put it and came up with a bad one no that, <laughs> I, that's not a i think that's not a bad. slow boy it sounds like a type of like that's like a team the slow boys <laughs> um a mentally disabled student she was helping him. she was so, tutoring him yeah so she had some goods and some bads they just they attach so many things to Laura Palmer by the end of the series. It's hilarious. Like so many that it's just obviously it doesn't make impossible. Any yeah, like, nobody is all those things. So that there's a drug deal happening in this episode. Um, there is the Ben and Jerry storyline. Yeah, the two rich businessmen are trying to. They recently were trying to scam a bunch of Norwegians, and that failed. So to they buy go to their hotel. Hotel. And then in this episode, they go to a brothel. I, a brothel called One Eye Jack. Yeah, casino and brothel. Yeah. 
where all of the ladies are buxom and have costumes that are sort of um, playing card related. Yep. It's a brothel that was art directed by David Lynch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so they're doing that. And then there's other things going on. There's a couple who share separate beds and the husband is sneaking keys to an accounting ledger to his mistress. But we don't totally, that's not a big part of this episode. Right. That was just a throwaway scene that I remember that being a bigger thing later on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the other big thing, so then there's the dream sequence at the end that we'll talk about in right, a second. Sure. But the other big thing is that agent Cooper, the FBI agent gets the sheriff, Sheriff Truman and two deputies and the secretary of the police precinct out into the middle of the woods to ostensibly investigate the murder. But his way of investigating is to put a bottle on a stump 60 feet, six inches away, write a list of names of possible suspects on a blackboard, and then they read the names out loud by one by one. By one and after each name is read, he throws a rock, and if the rock hits the bottle, that person's involved. Right, and he explains that the way he came up with this was in a dream where he learned that he should both be invested in the the Tibet, Tibetan people. Yes, and that this is the way to investigate. He woke up knowing that those two things were part of that. The, yeah, to the, the Tibetan people needed his compassion. Right. And that here's a way to investigate murders. And it's pretty, it's an amazing scene. It, it's an, it's cause that's so weird. And the people that he's talking to look a little bewildered, but they're giving him a shot cause they respect yes, totally. him already. And by the end of it, they're convinced. And there's something con- we were talking about. There's something convincing about it too. Like it's so bizarre, but it, it's, it's so somehow, particular and specific. It's so grounded in yeah, it's in how specific it is that you're like, yeah, this makes sense. It's almost one of the like least, least crazy weird things that happens in the episode. You just sort of buy it. It also sets up the dream sequence at the end. So you find out that from a dream he got this very weird investigation technique. And it works. And he believes and, it. And, and we are led to believe that it works. And one of the amazing things is he breaks two bottles, one where he hits the stump and the bottle falls. I forget what name that was for. Uh, I forget. It falls, but it doesn't break. He hits the bottle, but it doesn't break. Oh, that's right. And then and the last one, he throws it. And the way they shoot it, you see that it's an actual throw. Like, you know how like in basketball movies, they'll like... You, sh- you show it. the person shooting it and then cut to the basket and it's going in. Yeah, in close-up, it, it goes in. But in this one, you see f- in one shot him throw the, the rock. The rock and the shatter the bottle far away. Right and it looks through. great. Yeah, it looks really awesome. And that does make it feel a little bit more legit. Yes, absolutely. Because they're saying these names. They're saying like, you know, whatever, um, Jocelyn, what, I forget what. Oh, um, he has all people with, with I can't name remember starting with J. Yeah. Something Johnson. Yeah, no, Leo, he, Leo Johnson? Leo Johnson is the one that he, he says, Leo Johnson throws the rock and it shatters the yes. bottle. And it does feel meaningful. Yeah. Uh, and Leo Johnson is the guy behind the dr- big drug deal, right? Yeah, we know that he's like a bad dude. He's a bad dude who, who hurts his wife. Beats his wife, trafficking drugs, not a seems good, violent. Not a good guy. And the bottle broke when they said his name, so... So we'll see. And so we know that Agent Cooper, who is this fresh-faced 50s detective, is really into dreams and believing them in Tibetan Buddhism, or just the people of Tibet. So at the end of the episode, he has a dream. Right. And it's unannounced. Like, we just cut to him in bed asleep. 
Yes, and then there's sort of like flickering lights, and then we see there was mentioned earlier in the episode of a one-armed man, and we see a guy talking about getting a tattoo and then his arm falling off. Or cutting something. his arm off. Cutting his arm off. He got a tattoo, saw the face of God, and cut his arm off. Of course. Yeah. And then we also see Bob. We see the killer, who for, is for real scary looking. For the first time? There's a flash of him in the opening episode, I think. Oh, okay. That shot of him at the foot of the bed, I think we see that. Oh, that's so creepy. This, this, that is creepy. The dream sequence. Yeah, by this time point in the episode, you've gotten kind of acclimated to this sort of campy, weird soap opera thing, and you're and you're com- now we're acclimated to that, and then we go into what is pretty much a real horror sequence. Yeah, with scary music, very moody, and two violent seeming people addressing the camera and yeah. saying some real creepy shit. Yeah, it's it's and you were saying while we were watching that this was on at nine o'clock on Thursdays. Thursdays. It is a scary show, like, because I remember when I like, I thought always the scary stuff or the sexy stuff was on at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, like that's when the family stuff stops. But this was, yeah, I assume it sort of like the family hour. Kids are still watching TV. This is still when there were real ratings happening. So like, it was the end of an hour long episode. So it would happen like at five minutes to ten would be this part. Maybe they could somehow get it by that right, way. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, it's a. V- There's two parts of the dream. For every part of it, I love. I've watched it many, many times because, I mean, I don't really direct too many videos anymore, but I used to. So it's fun to try to think of what tricks you could sort of like steal or learn right. from. And it doesn't look that hard to do technically. No, yeah, it's pretty easy. He just has good I- There's like a use of strobe lights. The sound design is huge. I mean, I'm sure it's not actually easy to do, but it, it doesn't look like. Like, it would take a lot of money to make this dream sequence. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a great set design, that's yeah. for sure. The room that the little person is dancing in is sort of got a great um, floor style. Well, I don't know, what, tiling. Yeah. Uh, and it's got red drapes around it. It's got a Even couple. just the way the dream sequence starts, though. We see him lying in bed. Yeah. The lights are, it looks like it's night, so there's like moon moonlight on him, sort of. Then there's like a whoosh slam sound, and the lights shift right mm-hmm. to a different set of like more intense like moonlight right at a different angle, and that makes it feel like something is starting. And then we see this montage of creepy images, and we see the image of the what we're, the little the little person like shivering with his back to us. It sounds That's like wings really flapping. Creepy. Yeah, he's shivering, but it sounds like wings flapping. And then there's a shot of a killer at the foot of the bed. We don't know he's a killer yet, but some creepy looking dude at the foot of the bed. And then there's a guy talking to us, saying weird stuff. I he, uh, one, of, one of my favorite things he says is, I mean it like it is. <laughs> no, I mean it like it sounds, like it is. Is somehow like a scary thing for some dude yeah, to say in your dream. And then... There's a bunch of candles that get extinguished with a wind sound. Yeah, circle. And now we're of into a deeper part of the dream. Right. Oh yeah. Which now no longer are we seeing the killers. No longer are we seeing creepy images. It's a long, unbroken sequence where he's in some red room. Yeah, this is Agent Cooper's now part of the dream, whereas before he's he old. Wasn't it. Yeah, he's he's got old makeup on and he's sitting across from Laura Palmer. The murder victim. Right. She's smiling at him. And and then the, this little person shows up. And starts talking four words. He, uh, it's all in reverse, but he's he's like, Swerf, Norf, Hind. No, actually, but it's, 
But it's spell. It is the word. So he basically read them backwards. He read them backwards, and then they took that recording and played, played it, it backwards, backwards, so, so it, that we're hearing it forwards. But it's all mispronounced. It's weird. like first thing, Laura Palmer. Yeah, let's rock. Yeah, yeah, let's rock. I've got good news, <laughs> <laughs> but not even nearly as coherent as. Yeah, we're. it's much harder. They have subtitles. So, like, that's a kind of a genius idea to make something seem weird. Yes. Also, the the dwarf. And Laura Palmer are both happy. Yeah, they're smiling. And they're staring uh, unhaltingly at Agent Cooper. Right. Like, that's scary somehow. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, they say things and look at him for a reaction, but they, what they're saying doesn't quite mean anything. What, what is he saying in the... I've got good news. That gum you like oh. is going to come back in style. Yeah. It's coming back in style. And they look at him happily, and he doesn't know what to say. And then he goes, she's my cousin, but doesn't she look like Laura Palmer? Right. And he goes, but it is Laura Palmer. Are you Laura Palmer? And that does feel like a, the, a kind of dream conversation you would have. Right. And at this point in the show, you've, you're like, what is this? Yeah, what yeah. is happening? I, I knew that it was like a campy soap opera, but now this is this the craziest, scariest thing I've seen in a while. It's bonkers, yeah. And you are still trying to like put it together for solving a mystery, but you also know that it's a dream, so it's just a vibe. And it's already been told to you in this episode that he takes his dreams very seriously. And it, there's another mention of dreams in the episode, which is where Audrey, uh, one of Laura Palmer's... Friends. She's a bad girl. She's a bad girl, says... That oh, no, she's not a friend. She was like a rival. They were in the same year, I guess, and they sort yeah. of were rivals. And she's at the diner, and she puts on this sort of weird jazz song, and she goes, isn't this song dreamy? And then oh, she yeah. just starts dancing in the middle of the diner. Which is very which is, reminiscent of what we're going to see at the end of the yeah. episode. Yeah, so it's sort of, again, prompting you to be like, dreams are a big part of this. The show is so good at mood and like motifs and patterns like that, like Audrey dancing in the diner, and then this little person dancing in the dream sequence at the end that I think you feel like there must be a plan. This is all going to come together. Right. It's sort of, yeah. Like I think that was part of the reason it was a hit. Like you felt like you were just being told this awesome puzzle. Sort of like lost where you're sort of, or being, true detective, right? Where you're like, these things are going to make sense. And when yeah. they do make sense, it's going to be gonna so feel, satisfying, be really satisfying. But I guess in all of those cases, they weren't, I mean, true detective, the I'd say true detective was not satisfying. It made, it did make sense. They did they reconciled everything. Yeah, it made sense that the final episode was good. It didn't leave you being like everything was perfect. They answered everything in the most mundane way possible. Right. We can talk about True Detective some other time. I feel like they, the first half of that series was so compelling and cool, and yeah. the second half was like boring and and mundane, but not boring, but like predictable. Uh, and um, but Twin Peaks is just like. It it is a guy, David Lynch, and I guess Mark Frost also, like following some inner instinct that I don't know how you can reproduce it. Well, I, I wonder if how much I mean, I guess I just have to read interviews with David Lynch, but how much is based on his own dreams? Because I I have to assume. He tells a story of how he came up with the idea of that red room sequence. What what is I, I don't remember. It's nothing that satisfying. Right, okay. It's like he I think he met the actor. Uh, the little person auditioning for something else and kind of just thought he looked so interesting and strange and he was thinking about him for a while and then later they came to him the vision of like, it's called the Black Lodge, that room. Okay. That doesn't make sense either. Uh, no. Uh, it's evil, I guess. Um, it's told later in the series that there's like a white lodge and a black lodge. 
Okay. And you never see the White Lodge, but um, I think that's right. But, uh, I mean, I think David Lynch just worked in moments and moods and just things like, oh, candles extinguishing with a loud wind sound is unsettling and wings flapping sounds creepy and strange and also there's that the opening sequence of the dream is the is the dwarf shivering from behind sounds of wings flapping i'm saying wings flapping i don't actually know what the sound is it sounds yeah it's something fluttering and then there's like a muted very quiet man's voice going laura laura but like through a pillow and like far down the hall and that's also creepy yeah he's just a genius of Making you feel unsettled. Yeah. He, are you a fan of his other movies? And Yes. Uh, Mulholland Drive is my favorite. Yes, it's classic. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of them, but I'm I always... haven't seen all of them either, so I guess I'm not as big a fan as some people are. Blue Velvet, I think, is really... Still haven't seen it. Don't hate me. It's very scary and strange. Mulholland Drive is more my favorite. Yeah. Um, I saw Lost Highway. In that you know, was... I haven't seen that. It's like, that's like a Mobius strip one. Yeah, right? very... Cool. He does that a lot, but it's because he doesn't have a story. He's just doing moods, and it's it makes it feel like there's an ending. Yes, exactly. Um, Mulholland Drive is a bit of a Mobius strip also. It doesn't quite add up. Right. Um, oh, uh, what's the Nicolas Cage one? Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart. I still haven't seen that one either. That's his most fun one. That's like very lively and fun. Oh, then he did like The Straight Story, which is not a horror film at all. It's like a Disney film. What? The Straight Story? I that's think that's a, what it's called. It's a it's a guy who the actor ended up committing suicide. This uh, senior citizen Richard Farnsworth, I forget his name, but a dude who drove a tractor like cross country home or something like that. Oh, that's so weird. And I actually barely even know the story, but it's a guy who like out of some sort of stubbornness and protest drives a tractor a long distance. But it's a Disney film, and David Lynch directed it. But you'd never Wait, know. It, it actually is a Disney film. You're not just saying it's like a Disney. Film. Oh, I know. I think it's a Disney produced, David Lynch directed. Wow, film. that's great. Yeah, and it's not a horror film. I don't think you could even tell it's David Lynch. That's great. Yeah. What a weirdo. Yeah, how cool. <laughs> That's Remember so cool. in the early days of the internet, he used to do a thing where he would uh, put a video up on his website saying what the weather was going to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. And now he has a coffee or something like that? Doesn't he have like solo coffee? Oh, beans? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, that's so great. Um, it's sort of cool. Oh, Elephant be, Man I saw. He directed Elephant Man. That. I still, again... Uh, Elephant Man's I, a good movie. It's very sentimental. Elephant Man is very, like, uh, schmaltzy almost. Yeah, but it's great. I mean... It's beautiful it's and beautiful. it's great and, it, and it's really cool, but it's like... Oh, and Eraserhead I've seen. I still haven't seen that either. Eraserhead is very gonna... short. Yeah. The last 10 minutes of this, Eraserhead is all like that. Right, right, right. Um I haven't seen Lost Highway. I haven't seen... There's another couple of his. I can't remember the names of them now that are big ones that I haven't seen. I need to get back on the David Lynch. Um, you saw Mulholland Drive? Yeah. I, I think you've seen the best. Blue Velvet's probably the only one you yeah, I need to really want to see. But I need to see Eraserhead, too. I can't believe I haven't. So it's, short that it's that not it's hard to it. watch. Oh, wait. Is it? Maybe is it a... I forget. I haven't seen it in a long time. I know that there's a... It, he made it when he was a student... Right. Eraserhead and like he had to stop for five years because he ran out of money and then he finished it got everyone back together and finished it and so there is some cut that five years happens in real life that's like great opening a door and then stepping through the doors five years later so it's like the but wizard. the actors don't look that different so you, you don't know that the Wizard of Oz of five years later yeah thing. yep uh, well, so I, I, I'm a fan of his are you gonna watch his the, the new episodes oh, yeah. when they come out for sure are you, For sure. Are you, I'm, are you going to go in 
I'll, mean, I'll be okay if they're not good. I'm not. I'm not that kind of person. I'm like. I'm, I just don't get what I just don't get what the point is. I I don't really. It's yeah, never. It's never satisfying. It's almost never set. Is there any examples where it's good? Uh, I mean, Brian Wilson got his shit together and started recording music again, and it was good. Yeah, but that's like he's allowed to continue to make. It's not. It's not like he was like. Well, he redid Smile. That's true. And and that album's pretty good. I'm trying to think of an example where it should be bad, and it wasn't bad. Like Smile, the 2004 version yeah, of Smile good. was it's like good. good. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's not as good as it would have been. I feel like that's a little bit different in a way for some for some reason. Cause yeah. The, the music was already written. It's not like him trying to. Yeah. Right, right. Re. I mean, he re-recorded Good Vibrations with slightly different lyrics, and yeah. it's nowhere near as good. Of course. Um, I here's what I thought on it. I feel like if 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 it's the actual creators, they have every right to do of it. Of course they do. And if if other people take over the franchise and try to continue it, I think that's gross and weird. But David Lynch and Mark Frost are doing these episodes. So I'm like, it's their thing. Yeah, no, they're all definitely allowed to. I don't. I just don't know what for them the what's the upside. It's just people are gonna be. The only thing is there is something that in the very last episode. Laura, the, he goes back to the Red Room, the one we just saw. Mm. It happens again in the last episode. It doesn't happen in any of the other episodes. It happens in this one and in the last episode. And the Laura Palmer entity walks up to him and says, I'll see you in 25 years. Ooh. And now it's been 25 years. Wow. So that's, there's something sort of fitting about <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. to make that true. They're, that's good for them. <laughs> <laughs> that I say fine. <laughs> but I just, I mean, I thought... Um, Wet Hot American Summer did a good job. That was to me was the best. Oh yeah, yes. You're right. That was great. That was I I was really impressed by that. And I but I, I forgot about that. That's a good example. But besides for that, I just feel like And they embraced the silliness of it by making it a prequel. Yeah, exactly. They they messed with it and it wasn't I don't know. It was That was really satisfying to watch. Fun and and like I don't know. Some of them other ones just feel like put together and I, I don't blame anybody because also it's fun to go back and work with people that you really enjoyed working with yeah so like good for you for being figuring out a way for doing that but i don't know yeah most it seems like you have more to lose than to gain you might be right i'm gonna watch it i i'm not i'm not if it's bad i'll just shrug my shoulders and be like well it's big that's okay i've heard that david lynch on this new uh twin peaks episodes makes his writers come with him and meditate um, like he sits to do TM transcendental meditation and he makes them sit with him to meditate with him. That sounds like a lot of pressure. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't, I can't imagine being like, um, you're working for me. You've had a lot of, you've worked for a lot of like, uh, different people. Yeah. Different jobs and, and even some big personalities. Yeah, yeah. So I if any one so. of the if Robert you work for Robert Smigel, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. So that's like a comedy legend. If he asked, if he was like, "Come sit in this room and meditate," with me, wouldn't you try at least once? Oh, uh, I mean, meditation is not like that intrusive. Totally. He's not asking you to like take all your clothes off and take pictures of yourself naked or do anything intrusive. I, I mean, definitely do it for sure, but there's a pressure to adding like combining work and meditation together. Oh yeah, yeah. Be like, am I doing this right? Like, oh, yeah. like letting your mind wander and like, yeah, is this good? Am I doing a good job at work right now? Yeah. <laughs> and also right. meditating. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think it's a cool, I feel like that's a cool thing to do. It just seems it would be stressful. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, it also, I like that the guy who made agent Cooper is a lot like agent Cooper. I think 
Yes. Yeah. And also, well, David Lynch plays my favorite character on the show, too. Oh, yeah. Gordon. Gordon. Somebody. I forget. He just. Blue. Uh, Maybe he has he has a hearing aid and he just <laughs> yells every one of he's his great. Lines. His re- it's like oh my god I forgot funny. Craig the reason I finally watched Twin Peaks was because of Louie. It wasn't just that it was on Netflix. I was watching Louie uh-huh. the TV series, and David Lynch is on Louie. He plays a in one of the plots of the second season of Louie. Louis C.K. is kills it on the Tonight Show one night and becomes oh a contender god, yeah, to take over for some- Letterman. And so oh his manager God. hooks him up with an old-time TV producer to get him, like, Letterman ready. And it, David Lynch plays that old-time TV producer. That has by far the funniest moment of any— uh, Be funny now? Be funny now. Yes, the yes. the funniest moment yes. in Louis. It makes me laugh <laughs> so hard. Be funny, go! And then— Be funny, three, two, one, go! And then Louis just is like— <laughs> he can't. Like, he just makes, like— <laughs> Which is— Totally what you would do. Like, yeah. so what else? What else could you do? What else could you do? It is such a great... I was laughing so hard I watching it. This. And David Lynch's character was so funny. So great. And the way he would, like, demonstrate how to, like, walk out and greet the audience. Oh That's what... God. I was like, I got to watch Twin Peaks. That's what finally convinced me. Wow, yeah. Was seeing how funny the human being David Lynch was on Louie. He was so good on that. Yeah. Man, I hate when people say be funny. It's like the worst thing. You know, have, have you ever it's a, Oh, yeah. It's by far the... Actually, the, the time it happens most is I'll be introduced by somebody. This is uh, Will Hines. He does comedy. Or this is Will Hines. He's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, like at a party or something. And I'll be like... Um, my standard answer in that is like, yes, I am hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's hey. What that's else funny. can you do? Like yeah. just try to... I just say fuck you. Yeah, get out, you get, get out of my face. <laughs> and if they say be funny, I say you're ugly. And, they, and they have to laugh. And I say it's a joke. It's yeah. a joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess David Lynch is inherently a funny human being. He was so funny on that show. He was because in in I mean, well cast of course, and Louis wrote and directed all that, so it's to his credit, I think. But. I don't know, man. David Lynch made me laugh a lot. That must be very nerve-wracking ra- racking for someone like Louis to direct David Lynch. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've got to feel like an asshole. David Lynch is on set, and you're telling the cameras what to do. Right. Exactly. You should. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he if they like were collaborating on it. <laughs> Any ideas, yeah, David what, Lynch? What you want to throw in anything about the sound design or the lighting here? What do he? Oh, whatever you think, Louis. But it felt so Lynchian. I guess that's the term, right? Lynchian. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that I wonder if. Yeah, that Louis had wandered into this world where he's in the running for Letterman, and he's in this ancient TV producer's musty office. It felt it felt something like a David Lynch movie. Do you um, remember your dreams? Not too often. No. Do you? No, not really anymore. Sometimes I will, but I today I slept very late. I snoozed for two full hours. Uh huh. Actually, three full hours. I snoozed. Okay. Every ten minutes, and that gives is, you lucid dreams. So you have these sort of like running dreams. So I don't remember them now, but. I feel like the more that you, if you're more, if you like write down your dreams or you something like that, you become more, um, you're able to retain your dreams more and more if you train your brain. That makes sense. Yeah. I've never done it. Yeah. You should do it. Most recent dream I can remember is I was uh, just a couple weeks ago, it was a nightmare. I was driving on a highway and then the highway pitched up sharply and I followed it and then it kept going very, very steeply, like 
dangerously steep mm-hmm. to the point where I felt like the car might fall backwards off the road. Okay. Like Inception. Like Inception. Like when the world sort of tilted. Yep. And then I, I could see that it was going to reach the top and then dip right back down. And I remember being like, I, I can't do that. This car won't be able to do that. And I wanted to go in reverse, but it was so steep that going in reverse, I felt like I might back off the highway and fall just through the air or whatever. Right. Uh, and I was like, well, I got to just do it. I got to just hope that this works. The road is here. This must work. And I just like drove up and I don't remember what happens. Well, like that sounds, hey, it sounds like you're taking every, you're, you're going for it, man. <laughs> That's how I interpret it. Yeah. But I wonder, like, I remember in, in like this whole thing is sort of like dream interpretation, right? Like watching these episodes, yeah. you sort of have to be like, I guess it means this. I guess it means that. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, there's no way to watch this and be like, okay, that here's a clear cut interpretation of, of this. No, there's not TV show. No. And that's sort of what's brilliant about it. How did David Lynch and Mark Frost know what a good idea is? Like when they're writing a script, they're like, is this good? Is that good? Because they let stuff in that's really weird. Well, I meant the opening sequence is two rich guys eating sandwiches very, very enthusiastically, like sniffing the bread and just like being super into their sandwiches. And I don't think it works. I think it, the I think it's funny. I don't yeah. know if it I, like them to like I'll watch two grown adults sniff bread and, <laughs> and eat baguettes while cracking up. Like I'll watch. But that. how is that in the same show where there's this, like a legitimately eerie and creepy foreshadowing dream sequence? Like it's it's just a strange combination of things. Yeah, I don't I don't quite like. Know. How do they sit across from each other and be like, this is a good idea and this isn't? What gets rejected from these shows? Uh, that's a great question. I'd love. To what see characters it. like? Nah, that's. Like, what are the requirements for them to be like, that goes in the show? Yeah, if you're pitching, I guess I didn't, I guess there are writers for the show. Yeah. The staff writers. Yep. like yeah, And directors. I, like, I wonder what that would look like, pitching ideas. Because <laughs> you're like, um, okay, <laughs> a guy eats ham with he and throws it in the sink. <laughs> and, and, and then he drinks cherry juice. And they're like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> There's a woman... And she's um, she's only interested in the number seven, uh, and uh, she'll only wear uh, the clothes of a turtle. And you're like, but they're just normal clothes. But she says they're the clothes of a turtle, right? Um, that's in episode one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- well, this one had what I fr- when I mentioned the woman who the with the runners, the blind. Yeah, runners. it was in this episode. It was in this episode. She's w- she has one eye. And also, yeah. there's mention of One Eye Jacks, which is the casino. Maybe there's a connection there. There never is. And she has super strength in this episode. And That's it's right. Just really bizarre. Like it's very and it's it's weird to see these actors having to act really big. Like both her and um, the guy who plays Jerry, who comes back from a trip and has these baguettes that he loved. They they have to play the character so big. Yeah. That you don't know if it's even a good performance or not. Yeah, are they good actors or not? Like it's not, you can't judge them you on this. You can't tell because it's such a bizarre thing they have to do. Isn't that Piper Laurie is her name who plays Nadine maybe? Or no, maybe Piper Laurie is somebody else. Maybe, I don't know. I think Piper Laurie is Laura Palmer's mom. Never mind. David Lynch got some like kind of old Hollywood people for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh but I am not well versed enough to totally know. Um if you had to come up with a drinking game for for Twin Peaks, what what would it be? Well, anytime um, Agent Cooper compliments something, because mm-hmm. 
because he raves about coffee and food and just like tells people they do a good job. I think anytime there's like, I would, uh, Cooper Kudos. Cooper Kudos. Anytime Ooh. there's Cooper Kudos, I think you drink. Also, anytime you hear Cooper Kudos, you have to think about the um, granola bar Kudos from the 90s. <laughs> I don't think they exist anymore, but you have to think about it. <laughs> um, I'd also say, yeah, just anytime you're lost, you're, anytime you're like, I'm, am, I, did, am I, did I miss something? You have to take a shot. Yeah. And what would be a good alcoholic beverage for something 50s, you know, like a, an old fashioned Ooh. or a... is Cherry's Jubilee? Is that a pie or is that a sounds drink? like a pie? OK, maybe a gimlet. Vodka gimlet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or ooh, something with coffee. Uh, Kahlua. Yeah. Irish coffee. Irish coffee. That's that that's, might be your that might be your Twin Peaks drink. That's probably it. Um, well, I recommend this episode with yeah. enthusiasm. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Um, do you have anything that you want to promote for yourself? I mean, I have a podcast called Don't Get Me Started. It's a great we podcast. talk to talented people, not about what they do, but what they love. We've got interesting people every week, usually from the inter- almost always from the entertainment business, talking about something they're very passionate about. It's very fun. I was on it. I had a blast talking. Craig about was on it talking about Back to the Future. Yep, you were contrary. We sort of. I was uh, in a mood that day, and I was a little tired of the mania over Back to the mm-hmm. Future. But you were gracious about that, and you made good points. And Anthony King was solidly on your side. Yeah, that that didn't hurt. Anthony King made a huge case for Back to the Future too that I didn't expect, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, which you were totally understood. Yeah, I and know. I've only seen Back to the Future two one time. Um, I could lend you, I've got it on DV- two copies of it on DVD, I think. I'm all right. Okay. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much, Will, for stopping by and watching Twin Peaks with me. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Thank you to Will Hines for stopping by, and thank you to you for being you. Uh, again, if you're a fan of the podcast, please leave a review. You leave a review, and I feel the opposite of poo <laughs> that's true you do what you do cuckoo cachoo um thanks again for listening and i'll see you next time have a great night and an early manana adios amigos <laughs>